Hey, what's up, everyone? Before we begin today's show, we are doing a Reddit Ask Me Anything on the Fantasy Football subreddit on Tuesday, August 30th at noon Eastern. You can ask us whatever you want. And again, it's an AMA. It'll be fun. Check that out at reddit.com slash r slash fantasy football. That's noon Eastern on Tuesday, August 30th. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive. You can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Fantasy Football Show. My name is Danny Heifetz and I am joined by Danny Kelly and Craig Horlbeck. And today we are going through our sleepers for this season. This season, this is crazy. The NFL season begins in 10 days. And for everyone who is still as a draft between now and then, we're going to give you our sleepers because things evolve. I mean, a month ago, if you'd listened, DK, Craig gave you Damian Pierce. Boom. Now we shut up like 100 spots. So (laughs) we're doing sleepers again because, you know, where guys are going always changes. So we're staying ahead of the curve. First, some news. Washington running back Ryan Robinson Jr. was actually shot multiple times on Sunday night. He apparently was the victim uh, in a robbery or a carjacking. Uh, He is in stable condition. His injuries are not considered life-threatening, so he is stable. Um, But luckily, I mean, obviously, it's amazing that he's all right. You know, we have no idea when he's going to play football again, and football, and especially fantasy football, is like the last thing in the world that matters. But that is what we talk about. So it kind of creates this really weird situation where Brian Robinson had kind of beaten Antonio Gibson for the starting job, it seemed like. like yeah, per multiple beat reporters, it seemed as though he'd moved it ahead of Gibson. Um, so this obviously changes things and gives, you know, without, like, at the risk of sounding completely tasteless, like this is a good opportunity for Antonio Gibson to be the starter again for Washington, which is just crazy to say. Um, so, you know, clearly we have to move him up the board because of the situation. <laughs> and we don't know when Brian Robinson's going to be back. It sounds like he was shot in the glutes and in the lower leg somewhere. Yeah, multiple times in the lower body. So obviously uh, that adds a bunch of uncertainty. Is he going to be able to run? How quickly is, are those wounds going to heal? He's out of surgery. It sounds like he's going to be um, discharged from the office or from the hospital soon if he hasn't already. Um, so again, like thankfully not life-threatening, but this does change the situation in Washington, clearly. I know. I mean, you know, strictly speaking, fantasy football, I mean, the vibes are horrible around Antonio Gibson like these past three weeks. Brian Robinson really looked like he was going to be the guy. And now it's really, I mean, it's Antonio Gibson, it's J.D. McKissick, and this is probably going to look a lot more like it did last season where, you know, Antonio Gibson had a thousand yards. Uh, They weren't the prettiest, but, you know, he might need to be back in. I mean, we had him way lower than most people. We have him down past 100 pretty much. So, you know, do you guys think he should probably be up in the kind of Miles Sanders, J.K. Dobbins world again? Yeah, I think he's back there because this is, it was a three-man backfield that's kind of back to being a two-person backfield, even if to the coaching staff, it's like they begrudgingly have to play Antonio Gibson now, but they begrudgingly have to play Antonio Gibson now. Yeah. So he's still not like an exciting guy because he's still at the end of the day, don't really want to running back on a bad offense with a coaching staff that doesn't like him, but he has the job now, which is uh, bizarre. But here we are. So when we update our rankings this week, which will be very soon, we'll have Antonio Gibson up. And I think Craig's right, probably exactly in that like Miles Sanders range. Uh, other news, Najee Harris, we know we have known that Najee Harris, the Steelers running back, has had a foot injury for a month. We finally got some specificity. He played in Pittsburgh's final preseason game this weekend, and afterward, Najee Harris revealed that he has a Liz Frank sprain. I don't know if that's bad or it just sounds bad. So, DK, is it, like, bad that Najee Harris has a foot sprain? It's not, it's not good. I mean, yes, it's not good. This isn't <laughs> but good. But the like- flip side is... 
is there, is there a world where it's good news? Because we've known Najee Harris is a foot injury. And now that we know what it is, it sounds bad. But he also just played in the preseason. And if the Steelers were worried about him, like, would he be playing and would they be telling us this? I feel like the this information coming out is probably like a good thing. I don't know, because didn't we hear earlier that he, we had heard that he'd got stepped on. And so that yes. to me was like much less worrisome than a list, Frank, which is a scary, scary word when it comes to fantasy football and, you know, just skill position players in general. Uh, but based on what I've seen from, you know, looking at the different, um, you know, experts on Twitter about this, like it's one of those things where it's like low to moderate risk of, of getting worse. It's not something that we need to t- completely freak out and drop him dramatically in our rankings or whatever, but it is something to consider, especially for a guy um, on the Steelers who have in, you know, in the past used a guy like very, very heavily, like 300 plus touches or whatever. This is a little bit worrisome. So um, I would say, you know, Craig, I think you mentioned you're going to move him down a little bit. It, it's one of those things where you have to kind of keep this in mind. And maybe there's a, this is a reason like to, is this a tiebreaker between him and, you know, one of these other guys in the exact same range? Probably for me. Yeah, he also has a history of foot injuries. Uh, this kind of has dated back to his time in college. So anytime a guy is getting 300 plus touches and loves to hurdle people and has a foot injury, <laughs> the hurdle. I don't love it. Yeah. So what does this mean? If you guys are drafting this week, like you're drafting like today, and this is all the information we're getting about this, are you still going to take Najee in the first round? To, to be honest Close. with you, yeah. I, maybe it's just the word list rank is scaring me. And if it was called something else, I'd feel a lot better. But I now think I would rather have like Mixon, Saquon, you know, Derrick Henry. What if we Calvin never Cook. heard the word Liz Frank? What if we just heard foot sprain? It's still scary, man. I mean, it anytime is. these like big bruising running backs have a foot injury, I mean, that's the last thing you want to see. So how far does he fall? So like, let's be real. It's, we've had a I think ninth. like early second round. He, he's still at the first second turn for, and he's probably going to be, in, in terms of where his ADP is going to be, it's probably going to be still right in that area. I might honestly take a guy like Alvin Kamara uh, Joe Mixon, even Leonard Fournette potentially over him now at this point, even though the volume is What about Aaron Jones? Because if you're worried about his health, mm-hmm. like at what point do you be like, oh, well, I wouldn't take him at nine, but like 16. Like if you're worried about his health, you're worried about his health. So if he's, uh, or if we had him, you know, we knew he had a foot injury, but again, getting stepped on sounds different. We had him basically as a top 10 player. Right. But now you're like, okay, Kamara over him, Fournette. Is he a second round player? It feels like we're, I understand that it sounds like we're sort of, you know, not saying anything here, but like by dropping him four or five spots because you're still going to take him high. But it does, I think when you're talking about like the certainty of some of these guys up in the early first round uh, or in the back half of the first round, I'm just not as confident taking him there. So I know it's splitting hairs a little bit, but yeah, I'd move him probably towards more like 13, 14, 15. It's also weird that he's been playing. You know, they say he's four weeks into the recovery of his list Frank injury and it's a four to six week recovery. I don't know why he's been playing then. Uh, so it's like that. that, that well, he hasn't gets, been. No, he hasn't really been practicing very much. This is like he the played first time. in the preseason game two weeks ago or two days ago. But that's the point, though. This is him coming back, and that's right. kind of the point where I say, I know it, maybe it sounded like a hot take, but I'm serious when I'm like, is it good news? And what I'm saying is, I'm not saying it's good that he's a foot injury. I'm saying that we've known he's a foot injury, and it has recovered on the earlier end of the timeline enough that they're playing him in the preseason. I don't, right? I don't, if, understand, if, I don't understand why they're playing him. Is my, is my question? They're not <laughs> playing him because he's not. I guess that's my point. They're not playing him because he's behind schedule. You know what I mean? They're playing him because he's healthy enough to play in the preseason. Yeah. I'm so is that just, in and of itself evidence to not push him out of this, you know what I mean? To not push him too far down. That's kind well, of what I'm saying here. Okay, well then, so where do you have him? So I think that, to, I think, well, I guess the, the point to what DK said is that this is one of those things where I, a ranking doesn't really convey sometimes what we want to say. And so I think that the answer with Najee is if you're kind of like, look, he's playing, who cares? Like, you know, he's recovered enough that they're putting him in a preseason game and you're not that worried about it. I mean, now you can get a discount on him. At the same time, if you're like, I don't want to take a running back who has sprained his foot in August. What are you guys talking about? Then you don't have to take him in the top 30. I understand (laughs) that logic. Like that totally makes sense. I think if I were on the conservative end and I'm like, I'm a little nervous about this, I could see not taking Najee, honestly, to like, we have Nick Chubb at like 31. Maybe there's a world where you don't even want to mess with an injured running back it like till the Nick Chubb territory. On the other hand, I also think you could basically keep him where it's at and where DK is, I would say now on the higher end, like right around Alvin Kamara, 
around like, you know, that 13, 14. But anywhere in that range is okay because we have so little information here. And let's be real, this is a psychological element. Most people don't want to, everyone's biggest fear in fantasy is your first or second round running back getting hurt. And so there's a point where some people are like, I don't want to deal with this shit. Yeah, and it's, it's my whole point behind why I like a receiver in the first round is I don't want to have to deal with a running back injury. And already knowing that Najee Harris has something going on with his foot, a, a list rank injury, if I if we rank him below Leonard Fournette, let's say now, that doesn't mean that we think if they both play 17 games that Leonard Fournette's going to have a better season exactly. than Najee Harris. It just means our confidence percentage on Najee is low enough that we would not take him in the first round. Right. It is also, the, the thing about Najee is he's maybe in this group like the most dependent on volume. Because we're not, yes. I think, super bullish on this offense. In general, we don't even know who the quarterback is going to be for the full season. It's trending towards Trubisky. They haven't announced it. But I think Pickett did enough during the preseason to maybe threaten that halfway through the year. This could be one of those seasons for the Steelers where things are really iffy, I guess. you know. And also, everybody's hurt on Pittsburgh. Really TJ Watt got hurt. De- Deontay Johnson, shocker, hurt his shoulder. Well, I was about to say they're expected to be okay, <laughs> Tomlin said, but Tomlin yeah. also said that Najee got his foot stepped on, which like, I'm not a doctor. Like, for all I know, Najee Harris did get his foot stepped on and that led to his injury. So, like, I don't know. But they certainly, you know, Liz Frank, it's just a scary word. Some words are just scary. You just don't want a 240-pound running back who's supposed to get 300 carries having a foot issue. That's yeah, that's a thing. good point. So I think that, <laughs> again, it's, sometimes it's hard. We always talk about anchoring and, like, we're commi- we love Najee coming into the season so much. But if I'm being honest, like if you're in your favorite draft, your favorite league's draft today, I feel like considering how many other running backs are around, I might be a little gun shy. Of, like if Javante Williams and Najee are on the board now because of exactly what DK just said about the, the volume thing, the whole argument with Najee is like, well, the Steelers are one of the last teams left that will just play their running back five out of every six snaps. And if that goes away, like I might take Javante over Najee right now. And yeah, maybe in that Nick Chubb range. And if we get word from the Steelers this week that no, they're really, really not concerned, maybe that'll change. Maybe we're being too reactionary, but I don't, I don't know. This is also like maybe it is, maybe we are being too reactionary, but like Derrick Henry last year missed half the season with a foot injury. That was a know? broken foot. I know, but sprain. still, like a, a big guy, depending on volume with a foot injury like that sets off alarm bells. You know what I mean? So I guess that's it's also just psychological. At some point, it's just you draft a running back and you're coming in. You're like, oh, it's still August and this guy has that cue next to him. And you're like, it's going to be there all year. That kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah. So that's the Naja thing. That's uh, really unsatisfying. But yeah, huge range outcomes. We have no idea what's going to happen. And I guess, generally speaking, you probably want to be conservative, which is freaking brutal because um, we love Najee. Yeah. Uh, another, an, and again, our updated fantasy football rankings will be at fantasyfootball.thereader.com. Those will be coming this week. One last piece of news. Alex Madison, the Vikings running back and like handcuffed du jour, who is like a top five guy every time Dalvin Cook is out, is maybe on the trade block. Apparently like a dozen teams called about trading him. It makes sense. I mean, he's in the last year of his contract in real life. It totally makes sense to trade a running back in the last year if he's going to walk in free agency. Uh, I'm curious what you think this means, DK, for two reasons. One, if he doesn't get traded, do you think him being available is a sign that, I mean, again, Vikings have a new GM, they have a new coaching staff. Is Alex Madison like still the kind of handcuff we think, like the basically the best handcuff along with Tony Pollard, probably better? Or maybe is that going to change? Or do you think that actually Alex Madison might have value if he goes somewhere else? It's very tough because I, I struggle with the whole tr- running back on the trade market thing because like, I, who's just, who's going to give up anything for a running back? There's just so many running backs in the NFL. And there's so many like, quality rookies coming into the league every single year. Um, so to me, I just, I just struggle with it. Maybe it's some NFL team that has donkeys for a, a GM. Well, you've been trade. begging the Chargers to get a better running back. The, the Chargers are maybe like the one team that this makes sense for, in my mind. Like, like Eckler and Madison. Also, stylistically, those guys are different and it would be fun. Yeah, I think if, if the Chargers trade for Madison, I'd be like, okay, I get it. But at the same time, it's like, dude, there's going to be probably 12 running backs on the on the you know, waiver wire this weekend that are get cut that I'm like would be better than freaking Joshua Kelly or Larry. Yeah, Roundtree. like Ronald Jones or something. Yeah, exactly. So here's my question because Madison is good. He's had injuries, but that's the that's the question that this leads to is why is this happening? If we're I mean, we're assuming maybe we're wrong. I don't think any team's going to give up a third round pick for Madison, but maybe they have to give up a fourth. And you're like, well, maybe they'd have to give up a fifth. Like, okay, well, why are the Vikings going to take a fifth for Alex Madison? And then the next question is, is he even really just going to be the backup? Or is this new coach, new regime coming in saying, we like these other guys. They've got, I'm going to botch this pronunciation. 
K-E-N-E, Kene Nwangwu. Nwangwu. Like Olympic level speedster that is kind of trying to learn running back and they have the rookie Ty Chandler. Do you think one of those guys, if Madison leaves, might be like the hand? I feel like Nwangwu probably has the inside track to be the handcuff. Yeah, and he, it seems as, he, it seems as though he's gotten reps in front of Chandler during the preseason. But how, here's the deal, and here's why I think Madison is quote-unquote on the block. Because Wangwu and Chandler, Ty Chandler, rookie out of North Carolina, have both looked really good in the preseason. They're both explosive. They both created big plays. I think they both can be utilized in the passing game. Like Again, this just goes to my point. There's like a million running backs. And so if the, uh, if the Vikings were able to dangle Madison, who is, by the way, not going to stay in Minnesota after this year anyway, um, maybe they can get something worthwhile. Again, at the, at the same time, though, like, you know, he could be a guy that down the line next year nets you a comp pick if he signs a big contract in free agency. That, there's a lot of uncertainty there because you, you don't have to account for like who the Vikings are signing in free agency and all that. There's a lot, there's a lot of variables. So if, if the Vikings can get something for him, maybe they would just go ahead and do that because they have confidence in their two backups now. They're like one of the deepest teams in, at running back right now in the NFL. Um, plus everything you said about new coaching staff, um, you know, that isn't necessarily connected to Madison. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. There, there's maybe something to this. I think I saw the report said 12 teams have called, which I'm just like. I said that. Well, I, there was the, this was the report, but I, yeah, okay, sure. Like maybe if you want to swap sevenths or something like that. Yeah, but, like what is the offer? These are like fantasy football trade offers where somebody exactly. just offers you like a bunch of garbage. throw in. I received many offers for Justin Jefferson. If you're if you're debating drafting Alexander Madison now and you might be worried that he could be traded, I would say that if he even if he does get traded, it's likely only to uh, a situation that is equal to the one he's in now or better. Right. right. So d- I wouldn't worry about wherever he lands because clearly the team that's going to acquire him wants him and, and plans to use him. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. All right, let's get into some sleepers. And we've got, sleepers is it's kind of a weird place because it means the word means different things to different people. Sometimes people want a sleeper and they're just like, cool, give me a good guy in like the middle rounds. Some people want a guy you've never heard of. And then there's regular ass sleepers in the middle. So we're just going to break them into different categories of sleeping. Like the guy's not really being slept on, like the dad nap, you know what I mean? The light sleep. And then yeah, we got the, like a the, nice round. Danny Kelly, Saturday at 10 p.m., chin <laughs> down on the lazy boy yeah. chair. <laughs> And we're going to go all the way to the comatose sleepers, the deepest of all sleepers you've never heard of. But we'll start with like, all right, maybe these aren't real sleepers. I don't give a... These are guys that are going right now that we think are good values. DK. Yo. Give me your dad nap level sleeper. Okay, so I'm going with Michael Carter from the Jets, who right now, according to Fantasy Bros Yahoo ADP, he is the RB39, 108th overall. Brees Hall, meanwhile, is the RB18. I think this is a massive, massive discrepancy. That probably doesn't make a ton of sense. The sense that we've gotten basically reading through the beat reporter accounts and just the tea leaves and preseason usage is that it's this is going to be closer to a 50-50 split than I think maybe anyone wants it to be. Um, I think there is a chance, and this could happen down the line, that you see a Jonathan Taylor type situation where in the preseason, everything's, they're talking about how it's going to be split, and then Jonathan Taylor just took over and had massive volume in the second half of his rookie year. This is possible. However, it's also very possible that you get something closer to like Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams type split where it's literally 50-50 all year long. And so you're getting this massive value taking the later guy. Um, And honestly, Michael Carter has looked really solid in the preseason. He's been utilized in the passing game. From what we've seen, it's not like they're using these guys in specific roles. Like one guy's the early down, one's the third down guy. They're basically just rotating in and out. Um, So they both have some pass catching upside. They both have early down, you know, maybe even goal line looks. And so I'm just looking at Michael Carter being taken, you know, literally like 60, 70 picks later, and he's going to potentially give you similar production this year if if everything breaks right for him. So, um, you know, we've seen this happen a, a bunch in the past where teams just don't necessarily want to lean too, too hard on their rookie running backs. And uh, honestly, I haven't really seen a ton from Brees Hall this preseason that would make me think, you know, he's just going to immediately take over this backfield. 
Um, so Michael Carter for the Jets to me looks like a, a pretty good value with where you're getting him. I think we were all wishing for this backfield to be like a Jonathan Taylor, Naheem Hines situation where Michael Carter just comes in on third downs and spells right. Brees Hall when he's winded. But it actually might end up being a Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon situation where these two guys are kind of 1A, 1B semi-equals. And I mean, honestly, and this doesn't necessarily mean anything because this will change. This is fluid. But like Carter has been the starter so far. Like Brees Hall is coming in as the backup. Um, and of course, that's, you know, this is all preseason you know, you're trying to read what, what the teams are doing in the preseason. This could change very quickly. I understand that. But um, that, at the end of the day, is like what's happening so far. I think we've got Brees Hall probably just a little bit too high. Um, he could end up having a very strong second half of the season. But I think early on, it's going to be a split. A few weeks ago, DK, you and Craig were talking about how Damian Pierce was the cheapest running back, starting running back available in fantasy drafts. You could just get the starting running back at like 120th. Damian Pierce has now shot up 30 or 40 spots, but like Michael Carter's that guy. Michael Carter's a starting running back for the Jets. And like, again, I agree with both of you. He's not going to stay that the whole season, but you can get a starting running back after, outside the top 100, which is pretty nuts. So I agree. Also by like everything that we saw last year, he was good. Like he yeah, was really good. solid. That's the other part of this that makes me a little bit more excited about him is like all of his underlying stats, like his elusive rating, his, his PFF grade, like he was pretty solid as a rookie. Um, I think the main thing that's holding him back, there's two main things that are holding him back. He's not very big, and he was a fourth-round pick, and, and those are real concerns. Um, but, like, at the end of the day, he produced, he was good. Like, he's he's got a natural feel for running. He can play in the passing game. The Jets, I believe, are probably going to be pretty run-heavy Well, when, they want, when they're not getting blown out. Um, so, but even that's good, because Michael Carter's probably going to have the passing down work earlier, so it's fine. He, he was also out. way better without Zach Wilson. Him and Mike White kind of had an electric connection, so... <laughs> Electric checkdown from Mike White. Electric. I love it. Uh, Craig, give us a dad nap sleeper. This is tr- really dad nappy. Uh, yeah, Michael Carter's a REM sleeper. Yeah, that, that oh, is Oh, really? Great. Okay, my bad, my bad. Okay. This player is, is fully in the dad nap range. I'm going to go with Chase Edmonds, running back on the Dolphins. He's going uh, around 86 overall. The ringer rankings has him uh, 75th, so we have about 11 spots higher. Chase Edmonds is another one of those really cheap, starting running backs that you can get who is unsexy. He's he's a sh- he's kind of a sharp guy right now. A lot of the best ball sharp fantasy people are drafting him much higher than the average Yahoo or ESPN drafter. And the guy is just playing as the starter. He's he's and in, in the mo- he actually didn't play in the last preseason game. He's resting with the starters. The game before that he played all of the first 10 snaps of Miami's second preseason game. Uh 77% of the snaps on the first two drives. Like, he is operating as, like, the sole starter, and he's a great pass-catching guy. Uh, he's one of the better pass-catching backs in the league, in my opinion, and he's mm-hmm. explosive. Uh, he's shown it last year with uh, Arizona. I thought, if you actually look at the numbers, him versus James Conner last year, he was way better than James Conner in terms of yards per carry and, like, explosive runs, all that stuff. Yeah. And this could be a pretty good passing at- a rushing attack in Miami with Mike McDaniel, who was formerly with the Niners. So... You know, even if he only shares with the base work with Raheem Mostert, I think he's going to have all of the pass catching work. And yep. he, he's one of the cheapest guys I think you can get that really could have a, a decent DeAndre Swift-like role. There's a couple of reasons I think that this is phenomenal. We did our perfect draft last week and we t- got Chase Edmonds as our second running back and we were yeah. thrilled. Because Chase Edmonds, are a couple of reasons here. One, it's like the top two guys there are Dolphins is Chase Edmonds and Raheem Mostert. Even if Raheem Mostert stays healthy, Chase Edmonds is probably going to be the guy getting all the passing down work. And also, Tua is just such... You tell me, DK, but I feel like Tua is like way more likely to check the ball down than Kyler Murray is going to be. Kyler Murray is trying to like scramble and extend the play and do mm-hmm. stuff or run or... like. But Tua is going to check down way more. So then you combine that with just the surface area of luck of like pass, pass down work with... Man, Raheem Mostert is a really fun guy to root for, but like... Can't stand real, the field. Real struggle staying healthy for him. <laughs> Hot tub club. Hot tub club. Miles Gaskin's there. Like they're gonna have to cut someone. Miles Gaskin. They got like Salvin Abed. None of these guys are gonna threaten Chase Edmonds' role. I I, I completely agree. Chase Edmonds, where he's going, is as good as anybody. And just like that, if you get wherever you get him, honestly, it's got those guys existing are why you can be aggressive at other spots in the draft. If you want to just like go get, you know. Kelsey, Mark Andrews, Kyle Pitts, whatever is tight end at the expense of getting a position or get, we, we keep saying hammer receivers. You can do that because guys like Chase Edmonds are existing at the 90th pick. 
And some of the best places to find sleepers are on burgeoning offenses that no one's really talking about. And I was just going to say this. It, I'm actually Miami kind of is, allowing myself to get excited about Miami's offense. I'm not saying I'm even really there with Tua at all, but I'm just saying like no one's thinking about Miami. It's like the Mad Men line. It's like, I, I don't I don't think about you at all. No, no one <laughs> right. considers Miami's offense as being even like potentially decent except people who live in Miami. So uh, if they are half, half decent... And Warren Sharp. And Warren Sharp. If they are half decent, Chase Edmonds is a steal. Also, Jastrzemski doesn't live in Miami, but with him anyway. Well, on the same topic of, of like offenses people aren't thinking about enough, I have two dad nap guys. What Dallas Goddard, the tight end for the Eagles, man. I keep if I don't get like one of those top tight ends, like I'm not looking for Darren Waller. I'm not looking for Kittle. Like, dude, if I can wait and grab Dal- Dallas Goddard, people are like sleeping on a few things. One, Dallas Goddard's really freaking good. And if you like I, being a Giants yeah. fan, I've watched like those Eagles games. Dallas Goddard's good. Two, everyone's forgetting this is the first year that Dallas Goddard and the Eagles have gotten to prepare as if he's the number one tight end. Like Zach Ertz has been there and Goddard has been flashing, flashing as this like second tight end. He's the only, like he's that number one guy now and it's like not getting credit for it. And then three, no one's thinking about this offense passing more. Everyone's just kind of obsessed with like, well, they were passing and it didn't work and then they like went to this insane run heavy thing and they're going to run. But it was because the personnel was bad. They had bad players. Like it like they Gutting A.J. Brown is a signal of what they're going to do. And I just feel so strongly they're going to pass more. And it's, again, for these sleepers, so many times you want to layer things people are not thinking about. I don't think people are thinking about Dallas Goddard's talent is being underrated. And I think the level of improvement is being underrated because he's actually preparing to be a starter combined with the Eagles just passing offense maturing. I'm not saying Jalen Hurts is, like, going to be great. But it doesn't have to be great. I think that Dallas, and not, never mind the fact that if A.J. Brown or... um. Devontae Smith get hurt, I, the Dallas Goddard could just be like a top top three, top four tight end. So I love Goddard. I floor and ceiling. Yeah, I'm with you on this one. He's like my favorite. He's the the last guy, last tight end in that that tier that I want to get, basically. After he goes off the board, I'm like, okay, well, I'll just wait. Like Once he's gone, I just don't 12 Like rounds. It's like, oh, yeah. I, could get, <laughs> I could get Dawson Knox here. And I'm like, yeah, you yeah. know what, man? Let me just wait and get like freaking Irv Smith like 40 spots later. It's like once Goddard's gone, I kind of just lose all interest. He's also yeah. one of those guys, like kind of like Kadarius Tony, where in the small sample size he's had, where he's like playing without Zach Hurts, he's been really, really good. Like his mm-hmm. PFF grade, no, all- number one, number one in yards per round tight ends. Right, all the underlying stats of Dallas Goddard are, are very strong, and this is like finally his time to shine. I, I really hope this passing game is just funneled hard through three guys: through Devontae Smith, AJ Brown, and Goddard. Like if they if they're trying to get other guys involved, like it could muddy things up and you know make it really frustrating from the that's the only issue is he's probably number three in targets on this team I suppose yeah. he could he could beat Devontae Smith I want to throw one more dad nap guys at you quickly we've argued about him but I'm, I don't care it's Juju Smith-Schuster and I don't care I know that's like the I, high I end think of a sleeper. so I I kind of went off on the whole Juju rant like I'm coming I, I've really waffled on him I recognize that this this preseason um it's so funny where we came. Yeah. I was the first one to say Juju. Heifetz shit on me for Juju. And now Heifetz is, is the lead proprietor. And I Juju. shit on you for Juju. But <laughs> it's like, like a I, little I tr- the sisterhood of the sh- traveling shit talk on this podcast. I understand the Juju love. I think I've just, I don't know. My whole take was basically like people are getting too excited about Juju, but like I do recognize that he's probably going to get a ton of volume this year in a very good offense that has a very good quarterback. Um, and if he can just do his thing and beat zone and like, you know, be that short and intermediate outlet for Mahomes, like, yeah, he'll, he'll be good. Here's the thing, getting too excited about Juju. You can get him outside the top 70 yeah. on ESPN and outside the top 70 on Yahoo. Like, he's just outside. Like, you can get him in the eighth round sometimes. You have to reach for him in the seventh round. And I guess I'll put it this way. Generally speaking, how many receivers do you want to have? By like time you're picking the seventh round, how many receivers? You already have, what, probably three receivers on your roster, ideally, at least? Mm-hmm. Right, you probably already have three, and like maybe you already have two running backs and a quarterback or a tight end, and you're coming around. You're taking your fourth receiver. If you want to bet on your fourth receiver, Juju is 25 and going from Ben Roethlisberger to Patrick Mahomes. Any <laughs> concerns you have yeah. are baked in. He's 25. I understand, like he's had injuries, he's declined, he doesn't have Antonio Brown, he does have Kelsey now, and I'm just saying, what if he's good? Like because if the whole point of taking all these receivers is you're trying to throw darts at guys that like could explode, I don't see an easier candidate than Juju. It's like, oh, if he's got more juice left than we're giving him credit for, that's the kind of guy that's a top 10 receiver just sitting there. Also, 
how many players are there going in the range that Juju's going in that have the ceiling he does? I mean, we obviously saw yeah. what he did with Antonio Brown in 2017 or 18 or whatever that is. This man is 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 has is the most likely to be the top option for Patrick Mahomes. He's going up against McCole Hardman, Marquez Valdez Scantling, who kept running the wrong route in Green Bay, and a rookie, <laughs> Sky Moore. Yeah. And and, the, and like Juju has some knee soreness, so he's been missing practice, but I mean it's I, it's not really considered concerning. He'll certainly be week one, but like all these guys are banged up. MVS has been banged up. Sky Moore has been missing time. Like all these dudes have been out. And I, I just, Juju to me is the number one receiver. Patrick Mahomes is number one. Like Kelsey's number one, obviously, but like the number two receiver for Mahomes is just outside the top 70. It's just, just do that. That's just all. do that. Just do that. <laughs> there's a fun strategy or a fun, like kind of uh, like there's fun research you can do when you look up how high a quarterback is going in drafts. And then you look at all their pass catchers and you can see if there's any discrepancies of things not matching up. And yep. Patrick Mahomes is the top five quarterback going across the board in every single draft. And he obviously has Travis Kelsey, but after that, there's not a guy going until the 70th pick. Does that really make any sense? No, exactly. Exactly. I completely agree. Greg. All right. So there we go. We've all been right on Juju. We've all been wrong. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> REM sleep. That's more obvious. Now we're doing REM sleepers, more classic sleepers. This I kind of think Michael Carter's a REM sleeper. DK just his dynasty brain. Yeah. Who I, Craig, you want to give us a REM or DK? Do you have a real REM or is this going to be like a like a deeper REM? I've got uh let's see here. I'm looking through my list. I don't know. These are probably not REM sleepers according to your rankings. Let me let me just throw a guy out here. And because I think he's not necessarily an unknown, but tight end David and Joku for the Browns. Does oh, that that's rem- mine. Is that Remy? Okay. Nice. Um, so I've seen this, the stats been thrown out a couple of times on Twitter. He's played 39 of 42 first string snaps this preseason. He's like the starter, the unquestioned starter, the unquestioned number one. The big problem here with the Browns in the past has been they have like a three man tight end rotation. It's just like a nightmare for fantasy purposes. It was Hooper, Harrison Bryant, <laughs> yeah. David and Joku. So based on what we've seen, and this is us, of course, trying to read the tea leaves, but based on what we've seen, he's like the clear cut number one. They paid him. Uh, like a number one tight end this offseason. And importantly, like, who else, like, this is one of those situations. Who else is going to catch passes <laughs> in this offense? I know that Mari Cooper, Mari Cooper is there. He's going to be the, the unquestioned, like, top guy. But Anthony Schwartz has not been very good this preseason. David Bell, he's a rookie, he's still coming along. I think Donovan Peoples-Jones, he gets some gets some love, but he's more like a field stretcher, lid lifter type guy. I don't know if he, his skill set necessarily He's like Kirkland measures. brand to Sean Jackson. Right. And I don't know if his skill set meshes all that well with Jacoby. He's just kind of like by MBS. The way, yeah, I mean, honestly, he kind of is. Uh, and so Jacoby Brissett is going to start, what is it, 12 games this season? 11. 11 games. Um, and he's been, historically in his career, he's passed the tight end a lot. I think that they're going to make the tight end a big part of their passing game. Um, I saw this from Dwayne McFarland from PFF. And Joku has had an 80% route participation. In other words, he's running a route on 80 plus percent of his snaps. And that is elite. Like, that's exactly what you want from a fantasy tight end. And basically, as Dwayne was saying, this is all, like, as long as he keeps playing and, and runs routes on at this like rate, he's going to be a top 12 tight end. Like, it's very hard not to finish as a top 12 tight end at that type of usage. So um, it all points to him really outplaying his ADP right now. He is the 171st overall player for ADP, like a tight end 15. I think he could probably end up like tight end 10 range. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Yeah, just to add a little sprinkles onto the ice cream cone here. Uh, when <laughs> when uh, Jacoby Brissett was in Indianapolis, Jack Doyle led the Colts in targets and receptions in the seasons mm-hmm. that were started by Brissett. And the Browns uh, just throw to their tight ends a lot. They're top three in target share to tight ends over the past two seasons with uh, Kevin Stefanski, their head coach. So, you know, there is kind of the narrative out there that quarterbacks who aren't as talented tend to throw to their tight ends more. And this lines up with that, with Jacoby Brissett. Well, yeah, it's like the, they're the safety comfort blanket. food. Yeah, like the safety blanket over the middle of the field. Like someone they can just dump it off to, get rid of the football if there's pressure coming, whatever. Um, and, and Joku, importantly, is very um, like dynamic after the catch. Like he's not just a catch and fall down type of guy. No, so, he's a former first round pick, right? Yeah. Yeah, he just hasn't really lived up to, I think, like the talent level that's perceived. But um, a lot of times these tight ends take a long time to develop in the NFL. And so, you know, he's still pretty young, I think. He's only 26. Yeah, so he's still got like some prime years. I feel like he's been around forever. Well, he came into the NFL when he was like really young, like 21. This is his fifth year. Just to, wow, that kind of blows my mind. David, yeah, David and Joku. No, this is his sixth season in the NFL coming up. Oh, is you it? serious? And he's younger than yeah. Isn't oh, that wow. wild? That's he's crazy. 20, that's crazy. 
And he just uh, turned 26 a month ago. That's wild. He's, and he's been in the NFL one year longer than Dallas Goddard, but is uh, a year younger than him. That's crazy. I did not know that. That's actually really guarding. That's crazy. All right. I like that a lot for Joku. I'll give you another rim sleeper. Jahan Dotson, man, receiver mm, for Washington. Good one. This one's great. This is really good, Heifetz. Yes. Like, he just is so underrated. He's a, he's, it's a great mix of like, he just wasn't as famous as the other first rounders who got drafted. Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, um, Jamison Williams. He, uh, J- John Dotson could very easily outperform all of those guys mm-hmm. immediately and then hold it the entire year, like a uh, wire to wire, be ahead of them. He's going to probably start for Washington. And again, while Carson Wentz is probably like a net negative for most guys, Carson Wentz's style of just like throwing it to dudes, John Dotson has the exact kind of style you want. Like, He's he just is an insane sub Jamar Chase, but like maybe two notches below. Just go up and get it like a DeAndre Hopkins esque. Grab the ball in the air. He's going to win their starting job, and like yep. he's going outside the top one thirty. You could really seriously get Jahan Dotson as like the second to last player on your bench. Like just the like this. If you miss on George Pickens, who's like also a very obvious sleeper that everyone kind of knows about, and you're like, damn, I missed like that hot rookie receiver. John Dotson is like the poor man's version of George Pickens. You can get him 30 picks later, but like I, I just, he's, there's nothing not to like, and he's virtually free. He's the ugly stepsister of the rookie wide receivers this year. Nobody cares yeah. about him. <laughs> I like that. Uh, I think there was like, this is, it's always hard, but ex- when, when you go higher than you're expected to go, because I think people expected him to be like really late first or early second, and he went 16th, I believe. And like historically speaking, or like eighth, six, yeah. whatever it was, 18th or 16th, um, like historically speaking, like a mid mid first round pick is going to get tons of hype, tons of hype. And the irony, you know why? You know what's funny? Because the hype cycle starts and you're so right. When you're a first round pick taken and it's a reach, people come out, man, I don't know about Washington's draft. But if he goes in the second round, everyone's like, what an steal. incredible steal Sleeper. by Washington <laughs> getting Dotson. And it's just positive. And the fact that he went earlier in the draft has somehow hurt him. Also, all the the reason why nobody likes him or nobody talks about him is because he ruined all the experts' mock drafts. So they're just they, they have this baked in animosity towards him. That's actually <laughs> true. Also, Dickie, you were right; he did go sixteenth. So wow, uh, what a reach! The other thing, so like obviously, I, I have been hard on Carson Wentz. Like I don't think Carson Wentz is very good, but I will admit and say, and I think this is important to keep in mind that he's much better than like Taylor Heineke or. Kyle Allen, whoever else, like the the Washington is trotted out there at quarterback. Sam like, Howell. Well, Sam Howell's the future. <laughs> I mean, maybe we'll see. But yes, I think the the key here is really Carson Wentz is like infinitely better. I think than even even like a Taylor Heineke or whatever. Just it's going to elevate their offense, even if he isn't that great. Like on a relative scale, like for NFL starters, I think he's much better than Heineke. So I'm I'm less on the like argument that Carson Wentz is good, and more on the arg- I more enjoy the argument of. He's the number two clearly in this offense, and that maybe the number he's, one. He's the number way. two receiver. Yeah. Think of it. Maybe that's a good way to put it, Craig. He's the number two receiver, and you you can basically get him after many other teams, like number three guy. And he's just, and he might be really good. Like, is he the cheapest wide receiver two in in fantasy football? I'm trying to think. Like, he he might be Nico Collins with the Texans. Like, that's the range. He's good. the difference. Yeah, but is that he's makes better. Sense. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. He's bad. The Bears, I mean, I don't think the Bears even have Yeah, any, I guess the Bears no and Nico draft. Collins, that's about it. But he actually might be good, and that's the point. Roll the dice is someone who might be great. We'll see. Do you guys have any other REM sleepers? Do you want to get into, like, the comatose sleepers? No, Njoku was mine, as well as DK. I think Njoku's great. I've got, based on your guys' uh, definitions, I've got a couple comatose I want to throw out here, though. I want to start out with uh, Heifetz's guy here, Wandale Robinson. Oh, I, that was my comatose guy! This is all like, look, I actually think he's this pretty is a good talented. Sign. He's pretty talented. He's dynamic. He's versatile. I get all that. Like, n- none of that actually really matters as much to me as the fact that, like, the Giants are absolutely decimated at receiver right now. Kenny Galladay has had maybe the worst offseason of any receiver I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Colin Johnson, uh, well, who is. I, I, I don't know about that. Well, any guy who's making 72 million. What about one of the last four offseasons for Antonio Brown? <laughs> well, different. Yeah. On the field. Notes, yes. Um, so Colin Johnson, who was like gearing up to basically take Kenny Galladay's spot in the lineup, tore his Achilles. Sterling Shepard, who is probably their most experienced and best receivers, just coming back from Achilles. No telling how exactly how good he's going to be. Kadarius Tony, as Heifetz likes to say, is completely unreliable. He's still not practicing or still not playing. He's chaos walking. 
you never know. It's always something with this guy. I just don't really trust him at this point to be consistently on the field. Their tight end, their rookie, or sorry, their t- starting tight end is rookie Daniel Bellinger, who is uh, now just a concussion protocol. So his status for week one is pretty much up in the air. That basically leaves like Wando Robinson and someone named David Sills the fifth, who has been great. Giants. Giants fans love David Sills. Yeah, I mean he's he's been impressive actually, but I just think that like everything together, all those all those like guys that are basically not going to be available for the Giants, plus the fact they took Wando Robinson in the second round, clearly have a role in mind for him. Um, I just think he's going way too late. He's the wide receiver seventy nine for ADP, two hundred twenty six overall. He's basically the last pick in your draft. Let me spoiler um, alert. Can I, DK? You're so nail. You're so hitting the nail on the head here. Spoiler alert: Saquon is going to lead the team in catches, and Wandale Robinson is going to lead the New York Giants in receiving yards. Like, like oh, I could see he's it, going yes. to do it. And here's the thing: I considered saving that for the take purge. It's not even a hot take because of everything <laughs> DK just said. None of these other guys are going to play enough to even be in contention. They're sick of Kenny Galladay. Tony's not going to play. The tight end has a concussion, and as you said, Colin Johnson was secretly going to be the sleeper of this team, and he's out for the season. There's mm-hmm. no. It's August. This is crazy. So it's like Sterling Shepard coming off the Achilles or Wanda. Like I completely agree. I really think that Wandale Robinson, we talk about Jahan Dotson being the rookie for Washington, being the latest number two. Wandale Robinson is a disguised number one wide receiver <laughs> just, just sitting there outside the top 150. The only thing that makes me nervous about bringing him up is what Rondell Moore did last year, and which is nothing essentially like was a gadget player only for 96% of the season. Like he, he, his ADA, his average depth tire rate was like negative yards. It was negative. Yeah. He on average was targeted. Was it, it was an average he was targeted by in the line of scrimmage or was it like, yeah, he had more. No, you know, it was, he had more yards after maybe it's the same thing. He had more yards after the catch than receiving yards because he had so many screens. That makes sense. Which is, Insane. The airball yards were very low. I'm just worried. I'm I'm ever so slightly worried that Wandale is going to get pigeonholed into doing that kind of stuff and won't develop as a downfield receiver. But, but I, can you, if they have nobody else, like, am I going to play receiver? Yes, that's exactly what I was going to say. Is that's why I'm still willing to like throw him out as a sleeper is because like they don't have a ton of other options here. Like they kind of need to get him involved down the field. Um, he's actually he's a tough receiver. I mean, like he played running back for Nebraska for a while before transferring to Kentucky. Like he has some toughness and and he's really you know dynamic and fast after the catch, but he's he's also like running back tough too. So I I don't know. I'm just very intrigued with what he can do this year in this offense. So the cutdown day is is tomorrow, and we'll have we'll definitely see a lot of cutdowns things. And I have no idea what's going to happen, but I have to say, man, the Giants have been slated to cut Darius Slayton like all off season, and at this point they should just freaking keep him. I don't think anyone cares about the Southern Giants fans, but just that's a good question actually. I I was thinking about that this morning, Heifetz. Why are they trying to trade him? Like Darius because, Slayton's kind of Because they had all these other players that were going <laughs> to be healthy and play for them, and now they like, don't. I feel like Darius Slayton has flashed like multiple times in his career yeah, no. for the Giants. So it's actually an interesting... I mean, this is like inside baseball and no one probably cares, but it, there, he's actually a victim of his own success because in the latest union negotiation, they added in these um, incentive qualifiers. So if you're like Darius Slayton, who's like a six-round pick, you play really well. They give you a raise. So instead of making like, you know, 600K and you're a starter... You make like $3 million. And like, that's great for Darius Slayton, right? He's, what is that? Five times the money, basically. But the problem is then a new regime comes in and they didn't draft him. Yeah. And they look at the line item and they're like, well, if you were 600K, we keep you, but you're going to make $3 million. We're going to cut you. Mm. And like, ironically, he played well enough to get a 5X raise, but not well enough to keep his job for the new bosses. So that kind of sucks. Yeah. But at this point, they should just keep him. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Any other? Uh, that was my comatose. I think Wandale Robinson. I completely agree, DK. And again, I think you can like most people in your draft probably never heard of him unless you. I, I think Wandale Robinson again, like Jahan Dotson. These are guys at the end of your bench. We're not saying like reach for them top one hundred, but like right. These are the kind of values you get late in your draft where it's like, oh yeah, by the way, my last position player just got the number one receiver in the draft. Here's how I'd frame it: There's a million guys that you can pick at your last few picks, right? Like the the list of players you could potentially add as like the draft starts speeding up and everyone's just like throwing random dudes at the yes, you know, at the end of the draft. Like having a few guys in mind that you want. That's where this is helpful. So the, everyone else is like, oh, I'd have never heard of these people. I'm going to take Ryan Tannehill, even I'll though I already have two it's, or whatever. Yeah, it's yeah. like just don't do that. Take the guy that if he's good is like going to be a starter for you and not the guy that just you'll you if because if they're bad you're gonna cut them anyway for some waivers it's fine this episode is brought to you by hyundai 
Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive. You can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Craig, do you have a comatose sleeper for us? Yeah, these are pretty deep comatose. One is just Jeff Wilson, the running back on the yeah. Niners. Yeah. Oh, um, yes. I, I don't buy for a second any of the hype that they're giving to Trey Sermon. I don't I, maybe, I don't know if they're trying to trade him. Maybe he's yeah. going to get cut and they want to trade him before they have to cut him and get something back for him. Uh, Tyrion Davis-Price, their other guy is a rookie. Jeff Wilson has been on the Niners for a few years now. He's always been good when he's played. He's been banged up a lot. He's been starting in place of Eli Mitchell in the preseason. He handled every snap before Trey Sermon or Tyrion Davis-Price saw the field. And the most important thing is that Kyle Shanahan likes him, which is the most Loves valuable him. currency in San Francisco. <laughs> I think it, there's always teams and I think like depth chart competitions that fantasy players just are completely ignore the facts. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> we we just want something to happen so we completely ignore the facts. Like for instance, I really want Ty Davis Price to be the backup in San Francisco. So I just ignore the fact that he's the fourth guy to come onto the field for the 49ers <laughs> in the preseason. You know what I mean? Like it's Jeff Wilson. He's the guy. He's the backup. He is the Elijah Mitchell handcuff or whatever you want to call it. Um, and Elijah Mitchell, as we've talked about m- many times on the pod, like had six or seven different injuries last year. He's not super big. Like his... He's been injured this offseason. He just That's finally the thing. came back it was like, from a hamstring injury. Yeah. Ex- coming in, we're like, can he stay healthy? Immediately gets hurt. And we're like, Ugh. <laughs> yeah. if I'm wrong, I'll just be wrong on it. I don't care. Jeff Wilson's going outside the top 200. And I, I, there's, a, there's a small chance he gets 20 carries week one. Here's the you know thing I mean? about Jeff Wilson. He has been hurt a lot, admittedly. But like, it's kind of who cares because Elijah Mitchell's hurt a lot. So we're afraid because he's like a 50th, 60th pick. Jeff Wilson is free. And if he gets hurt, you will cut him. But if he's healthy, in 2020, he started three times. I don't, no one remembers this. 100 and, 110 yards and three touchdowns. His name's Jeff Patriots. Wilson. <laughs> His name's the Jeff. other game he played Jeff. started 180 <laughs> yards. I mean, no touchdowns. He had a, no, he had a receiving touchdown. So, like, we're talking like 25, 30 point performances just a couple years ago. And then even last year, he did get starts. He got 110 yards against the Falcons. He runs like, hard. He runs so hard, like almost to a detriment to himself because he's just like running. That's all hard. the Niners guys. They're all like <laughs> outfielders who sprint to the wall to try and catch the fly it's ball. It's true. Seriously. I think it's a I, part of me thinks it's so true. And at some point, you, it's kind of like how the Giants keep getting hurt. And you're like, what the fuck is with that team? But uh, the Niners, it's, I, I agree, Greg. I think Jeff Wilson is, is get that. I completely agree. Trey Sermon. Sometimes I never know with that last preseason game before cut down day. It's like, are these guys like, you know, when you're in fantasy, some people are going to know what I'm talking about. Sometimes when you're trying to pull off a fantasy trade and you're going to start contacting people, you put the guy you want to trade away like prominently in that like slot in your starting lineup. Like mm-hmm. even if you have like oh, Justin yeah. Jefferson and you want totally. to trade away Jerry Judy, you like put Jerry Judy right next to Justin Jefferson. No window dressing. Yeah. That's how I feel like, <laughs> even if you're going to bench him, like that's how I feel sometimes watching this last preseason game. Like, oh, look at the Trey Sermon. Well, maybe it's, you know, they just want to get rid of him. Yeah, that's why that's why John Lynch is like, oh, Sermon's been unbelievable. I know. They've been Has talking he? him up a lot. <laughs> but then he doesn't play and he's not good in the games. Probably there's one the problem, problem, happy. happy. <laughs> he's not <laughs> any good. good. Yeah. Um, I totally agree with that one. I keep to me, this is like the biggest blind spot. It's it's because I want Ty Davis Price to be the backup there. Well, it's it's, it's like it's like happening. cognitive dissonance. And it's yeah. like I want to lose 10 pounds. And I'm like, well, I should I drink the Sierra Nevada that has 400 calories in this IPA. <laughs> well, if I don't think about how much calories are in two IPAs, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Solved. Yeah. Um, I got a couple others to throw out here before we wrap this up. Number one, Amir Abdullah for the Raiders, who I think is trending towards sort of the passing downs role for this team, for the Raiders, who are, you know, by the way, 
they last year they finished seventh in pass attempts, sixth in passing yards, and now they're getting a aggressive play caller in Josh McDaniels, a guy who's been very innovative in the past and like wants to score a ton of points. I think that this this Raiders offense has potentially be very very good and be pretty pass heavy. So that could be a big role for him in this. And, and everybody's talking about the James White role, which I, I like. I waffle on this because like this, you know, that was Josh McDaniels largely calling those plays. So maybe there is this role, but like James White is sort of a unique player. And plus he was playing with Tom Brady who loves to check down. So it's clearly apples to oranges, but um, I think Abdullah over the last, like number one last year, he flashed for the Panthers doing like this pass catching type role. He looked pretty good in the preseason games for the Raiders so far. They cut Kenyon Drake, which makes, gives us some clarity in terms of like the running back backfield here. Um, And, yeah, so basically put it all together. I think Josh Jacobs and Zamir White are going to be kind of the early down guys. They're going to rotate that. And then I could see Amir Abdullah come in and be the third down, long down and distance, um, two-minute offense type running back. And that's really valuable, honestly, in PPR and half PPR. So um, this is this is not a guy to think about in standard leagues. But I think full PPR more so. But if you're in a full PPR yes. league, I think of Amir Abdullah as you're, if you need a running back in your little light, you're taking a shot that what if J.D. McKissick a couple years ago played on a team that's just going to be in shootouts all the time. And like every time the Raiders are trying to keep up with the Chiefs or the Chargers or the Broncos, yeah. and like Derek Carr just keeps dumping down to Amir Abdullah and just like, why does he have four catches for 30 yards on this drive? That's kind of where I see Amir Abdullah. Like, like the, it's like those two drives a game where he just adds six points each. You're like, wow, he has 18 points this week for no reason. <laughs> I think that's really good. One last comatose guy I'll throw out is Brevin Jordan, the Titan for the Texans. I had him definitely on my a comatose list. sleeper. It's yes. everything you guys said about David Njoku, just like the worst version of it. Mm-hmm. Basically, David Njoku for the Browns, as you guys said, he's playing so many snaps that he kind of has to be relevant. It's the same deal with the Texans and Brevin Jordan. He's just playing all the time. He's playing like five out of every six snaps. And at some point when you play that often, you're just kind of relevant by default. And um, he's very talented. He also, there was a fun story in ESPN this week where Brevin Jordan, he like, his phone backgrounds, all the tight ends taken ahead of him, like Kyle Pitts and people last year. I love these stories. I think it's hilarious that he's like, (laughs) Brevin Jordan is like, how dare that Kyle Pitts got taken ahead of me, the (laughs) Falcons, with that mistake they made. Uh, But I still like the energy, so. Brevin Jordan's very, he's an interesting one to me because I believe, if my memory serves, he was like a former five-star guy, like big-time recruit um, coming out of high school. And then just kind of fell behind the wayside in the draft process and just was taken much further down than I think most people expected. Most people probably expected him to be like a third runner. Um, and he fell to day three. So, um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's talented. He's another one of these guys that's very young. He's, uh, 22 years old going into his second season. That's crazy. So, so um, realistically, I would not draft Brevin Jordan if you're in a 10 team league or a 12 team league. If you're in those leagues, I would probably say like, if Brevin Jordan does well in week one, like, and your tight end sucks, like, add Brevin Jordan. And if you're anything deeper than 12, Brevin Jordan's probably a good stash. Whereas like Wandale Robinson of the Giants, I'm more likely like 12 team, like maybe get him on your bench in case he's just number one out the gate. Yeah, there's a group of deep sleepers that you kind of just need to keep on your waiver radar rather than actually draft them. Yeah, like Isaiah Likely for the Ravens is like right. this tight end getting a bunch of buzz. Okay, eight like eight out of 10 times, Isaiah Likely is completely irrelevant for fantasy. But if he is relevant in week one or two, pick him up. But like, don't draft him. But like Wandale, Dotson, I think are worth drafting. Um, I think Njoku is a really good one. Do you guys have any other comatose leaders? Last one. This one is as comatose as you get, but Jalen Warren, Steelers. I brought this guy up, I think, in, in the past, but he oh, was especially the second back. Especially now. Yeah. Yes, and this is this goes back to round it all out. This goes back to our Najee discussion where, you know, you want the Steelers handcuffed because historically they've basically just leaned on one guy. That's, what they, that's how they like to play it for whatever reason. Um, they like to have one guy who's in there on all three downs. Doesn't they don't like separation of like duties and all that stuff. That's why Najee's so valuable in fantasy. But if Najee has a foot injury um, and misses time, Jalen Warren or I guess like Benny Snell has also been involved in Anthony McFarland. Based on my eye, like I'm just going with the guy who I think is clearly the best. And Jalen Warren has really flashed in the preseason. He looks like leaps and bounds better than is particularly Benny Snell. So um, I'm just kind of like. That would be like a, again, this is a very deep league. Use it with your last pick. Um, but just throw throw out a flyer on this guy in the, in the off chance that this Najee injury turns into something bigger than we think it is. And so, um, you know, because you potentially get a, you know, high volume guy like with your last pick. Yeah, it is funny that we so highly value the backups for guys like Dalvin Cook and for Ezekiel Elliott and for McCaffrey 
But for Najee Harris and the Steelers, nobody seems to talk about the guy who could replace them. It's almost the same thing with Derrick Henry this year. I guess it's uh, it's seen as like it's going to be a split. It's not going to be one guy who replaces Najee Harris like, you know, Chuba Hubbard used to replace Christian McCaffrey. So I guess the fear is that, I mean, this is obviously incredibly comatose. You just keep an eye on him in waiver wire, but <laughs> yeah. it could be a split between Benny Snell, Jalen Warren, but it, it'd be nice if, if Warren popped off and became a true handcuff. Absolutely. Can I throw one out there really quick? Zay Jones on the Jags. Good one. He's going, he's going 291st. Yeah. I don't even know how they can quantify that. Or how do they know he's going 291st? Um, he signed actually like a massive contract out of the Jags were just throwing out money like Oprah, but um, <laughs> he could be the number two on the team and there's nobody else. There's, there's Travis Etienne who's going to catch passes out of the backfield. There's Christian Kirk who's the number one guy. They have Evan Ingram at tight end who's been a career disappointment. They have Marvin Jones who's like 32, 33 years old and they have LaVisca Chanel. There's not a lot going on. They gave Zay Jones three years, 24 million. Uh, you know, yeah. He's Dude, popped a little bit in the preseason. Some there's could be a there chance he's Lawrence the number one. Like yeah. he's he's That's been, it. we love Christian Kirk yeah. for the number one getting 18 million years a year. And you're right, Craig, because I mean, look, if we're wrong with Christian Kirk, Zay Jones could be the number one receiver of the team. I don't think we're wrong, and I do think it'll be Christian Kirk. But even then, if the Jaguars are still throwing it, Zay Jones, he's not 290th. That's insane. No, it's almost like your argument about Jahan Dotson. It's like, I don't know, this guy's probably just gonna be the number two in an offense that throws a lot with maybe a good young quarterback. I like that one a lot. Off the top of my head, I think Marvin Jones had like 140 targets last year. Yeah, it also could very well just be Marvin Jones. Every year we keep sure. saying like, "Oh, Levisco Chanel," because Marvin Jones. <laughs> oh, is too the old. shit you guys gave me last year for saying Marvin Jones would leave that te- lead that team in yards. I, do you remember the vitriol I got from you two? Yeah. Erroneous. If you blocked it out, erroneous on all counts. I don't remember that. Oh that was before God. we made the all boring team, and now Marvin Jones <laughs> is on that team for sure. He's on. The, he's a bench Sorry. spot on the all boring team. He had 120 targets, not 140. Still a lot. A lot. Yeah. <laughs> Led the team in every category, like I said he would. You guys lampooned me. Okay. It's a funny word, lampoon. All right. I think that's all we got in the sleepers. Those are our updated sleepers. Uh, we can get into some emails. Yeah. Let's do it. We got a lot of feedback and a couple things, uh, especially last week. DK thanked Andrew WK, and Craig and I just had no clue who Andrew WK was. That, we got yeah. as much response to this as like anything in recent memory. Yes, it perhaps has created the largest tidal wave of social media reactions with us (laughs) for anything non-football related more than anything we've ever had in the show's history. So I I couldn't believe it. And we got two pieces of uh, feedback. One is all the, we always talk about older millennials and younger millennials, SpongeBob millennials, Saved by the Bell millennials. It turns out they're Andrew WK millennials because we got it was a lot just of people. 35-year-old white guys listening to this <laughs> podcast. All the people over 32 yeah. listening were like, Craig and DK, or it's Craig and Danny don't know that Andrew WK was on the Madden 03 soundtrack. But the other thing people were mad at was, wow, DK <laughs> did a horrible job. Explaining I feel like you're deflecting. You guys are stupid no, e- for not Every knowing. email says D- they should know, but also DK did a bad job. To the point well, where I was also, just caught off guard because I didn't you expect were. you idiots to not know who Andrew W. A very, very famous person. My girlfriend pointed out describe that, him. My girlfriend who's from Pittsburgh pointed out that his song is actually now the goal song for the Penguins when they score. Oh. It's unpopular though because it replaced Jump Around. But we actually had a, guy, a listener named Kevin. 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 Who is a, a music journalist mm. actually was so disheartened with how DK explained it. They actually wrote up like his own version of an explainer of who Andrew WK is. And Kevin writes, Andrew WK, a party rock superstar that grew to popularity following the release of I Get Wet, his seminal 2001 album. Andrew WK is known for wearing dirty white jeans with a white tee, allegedly smashing himself in the face with a brick to create his notorious album art and doing wild stuff such as eating dog food during a much music on Canadian MTV. AWK has been open with his mental health battles and in part the narrative to fight against what appears to be the pursuit of the party in every aspect of life. And I love how he uses the term partying. Like, Andrew WK's definition of partying is awesome. This podcast strives to pursue the proverbial party on every episode, just like Andrew WK. Continue, Heifetz, on what he says about partying. Uh, I mean, built on the foundation of music, power, positivity, and pizza, which I mean, I would say is also kind of what I am. Music, power, positivity, (laughs) and pizza. Okay, I feel like I very clunkily explained all of this. I said he wears a dirty white shirt constantly. He's very positive into like positivity. I I, I got closer than this guy's giving me credit for. I'm gonna say that. Yeah, you clunkily explained it. it I think everyone clunkily. would agree on that. I'll admit that. Okay. Everyone would agree. I was befuddled. Okay. Yes, you were. 
Sorry for fucking up the Andrew WK description, everyone. Yeah. I'll do better next time. All right. Thank you, DK. Thank you, Craig and Andrew WK. Wow. Thank you, Lauren. Lauren. Thank you, Cold War Kids. Well, good one. This whole conversation made me think about how I'm a Cold War kid. You guys don't even know anything about that. They're good. I've seen them in concert. They're good. Talking about like a real a real Cold War. A kid of the Cold War. Oh, oh, actually. Are you (laughs) not a kid of the fucking Cold War? How old are you? I was alive during the Cold War. How old were you when in, when did the Berlin Wall come down? 1989? How old were you? I think it was 91. 91 is when the Cold War ended. Uh, I was nine. All right. Is it, uh, I experienced almost kid? the entire 80s. Here's my, here's in my, some again, small way. To, in a total judgmental thing. Did you ever do the, the hide under the desk thing for a nuclear war in school? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's definitely during that era that we were doing it. So probably when I think like, of a Cold War kid, I think of people who were like, hey, so like there might be these bombs that end the world. Hide under your desk. You'll be good. Yes. that I mean, that was part of our life is like fearing nuclear holocaust and shit. Like, uh, I don't know exactly what your sting sang that song that was about like hope the Russians love their kids too or whatever. But that oh, was right, like, yeah, if you were I afraid remember, of that as a child, then yes, yeah, I, I had fears of yeah. that as a child. Wow. Yeah. Different that's, world. back That's then, crazy. Even. I didn't know you were that old, honestly. <laughs> I don't yeah, think of you that way. That's because you don't think about anything prior to 1995. I, I mean, I do. Just I don't think of anything prior to like 2004. <laughs> 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 yeah. I was born in 1994, but like, I don't consider myself a child of the 90s. I don't remember the 90s. I agree. Yeah, but you remember the 90s in the sense that you were old enough to know what like the 90s were like when you, it was like the 2000s, right? Like it was very fresh in your memory. You're, you're no. from that era. When I was nine in You don't remember the 90s? No. When did your memory start? When Dude, you were 12 years old? I was six in the year 2000. I do not remember the 90s. I couldn't tell you You don't remember you anything about, from your childhood? Well, yeah, I can remember like my dad playing with me in the pool. I don't remember what the 90s were like. <laughs> DK, you're being ridiculous. You were born in ni- 81. So like you were nine. Craig was five or Y2K. You were supposed to have memories of like the kindergartners being like, yeah, the world might end tonight. I don't like remember when Fight Club came out. <laughs> Come on. I have no 90s memories. I think that's very normal. <laughs> okay. You didn't watch any TV in the 1990s? I've, like, once again, I'm sure it. I Were did. you living in like a bomb shelter? What? How could you not have well, any the memory TV, of the 90s? Like, sure, it bleeds through. Like, it's uh, fucking all like that. pop culture. That's like a, you were you were in the popular culture Do you the think when Calvin's 40 and I'm like, Calvin, do you remember the early 2020s? He's going to be like, yeah, totally. I think there's enough bleed over from, from decade to decade that it's like fresh enough in memory that like, even though I was like most like conscious of my life in like the 1990s because like obviously I was eight years old when the 90s started. I still remember the 80s because the, the 80s culture doesn't stop immediately when it turns 1990. You know what I'm well, saying? Calvin's going to just be like on that Louis grind. <laughs> I get what you're saying. I but know like, what that's... the 1980s were like because I was alive during the 1980s. I get what you're saying, DK, but we're splitting hairs because Craig's <laughs> just saying I'm doing the thousands things and Craig. you guys are just saying it's the same thing. The late Craig's 90s is the early 2000s. It's the same shit. Yeah. Anyway, not. we'll ask Calvin in 10 years what he remembers about all those bluey things. Yeah. Well, here's, here, bluey. here's another way. We'll ask Calvin it. how he felt about the Trump presidency and we'll see what he says. <laughs> God damn it. Which one? The second one? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you said you had another point. I wanted to hear Well, that. I was going to say, like, if I asked Craig, like, about specific kid shows during the 1990s when he was a kid, I wouldn't know fuck all about that, but he would probably be able to tell me all about that like specific micro generation of what he was watching, what kids were watching, what kids of his specific generation did in but that But you know era. what? It's it's not, I, I wouldn't be telling you, I would ask my parents what I watched and they would tell me what you I watched. You don't remember what you watched? I remember what, what I watched. I, I, think, I think what you're saying, I think that the, just as someone kind of seeing this argument happen, I feel like we're, like, Craig said, Craig's whole point is, it's hard to remember the TV shows I watched when I was five. And then after that, it wasn't the 90s. Yes. And I think you guys are kind of stuck on this point. And DK is saying <laughs> what you watched when you were seven was still kind of being made in the 90s. Yeah, sure. I watched SpongeBob in the early 2000s, and perhaps that still had many you know, elements of like 90s cartoons. But I can't specifically remember what I was watching in 1997. 
I just think, okay, I, I get this. Like, I, we're not actually like arguing about anything at this point, but I just think people are a product of like their specific little micro generation. Yours is of the mid 90s or whatever, like people of your generation. I think that's the fundamental disagreement. It's like, we're not being born in the mid 90s doesn't make us 90s kids in our mind. Right. Like, to me, I'm a child of the 2000s because that's when I really started in like being consuming a child. culture and, and like interpreting it, perceiving it. Okay. I think it's semantics, but whatever. Like, <laughs> at the end of the day, you, get you know what saying. this is really about? You know, can I actually tell you why I think we're actually having this argument? It's because hmm. DK was born at the beginning of a decade. Yes. Right. And, and we then were, we were born in the middle of it, and he doesn't know what to do with us because you were born in 1981, and we were born well, in like, it's been the in middle of the night. But close enough. Yeah. Also, still, this, isn't, it, this isn't an argument. I think that term is thrown around too loosely. It, it has such a negative connotation. This is sure. a discussion. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. It's, a, it's not even a debate. This was just a lively discussion. Cold War was crazy. That I kind of wish we had spent more. That's crazy. The DK, general decades of children just were like, I wonder if there will be nuclear holocausts. Like I remember vividly, even though I was pretty young at the time, like MTV's coverage of the Berlin Wall coming down and shit like that. You know what I mean? That started breaking news. You can draw a pretty straight, like like the CNN live streaming the Berlin Wall coming down, basically invented on in the moment breaking news. Anyway, hopefully this triggered some memories of your childhood. If you're listening, uh, I do. I just do. I do think it's interesting. Like, if you if you're a child of the mid '90s, email us ringerfantasyfootball@gmail.com. Let us know when your earliest culture <laughs> memories began. All right, we can end it there. That's fine. Earliest culture <laughs> memories began. All right, we can end it there. That's fine. Let's move on. All right, goodbye, everyone. <laughs>